Your band sounds great, but how does it look? No one knows if you're in the dark. Light up your gigs with Chauvet DJ. Chauvet DJ is the brand of affordable and easy-to-use entertainment lighting that can help your band rise above the competition with great-looking and dynamic visual stage looks. From pack-and-go lighting systems that set up and tear down in seconds to Bluetooth-enabled lighting, with the touch of a button or step on a foot pedal, Chauvet DJ has your gig lighting covered. You rock the gig, Chauvet DJ will make sure the crowd sees you do it. Rock in the spotlight with Chauvet DJ. Learn more at ChauvetDJ.com. That's C-H-A-U-V-E-T-D-J.com. And that's why I'm not allowed back at the Vatican. What's up, everybody? This is the Cover Band Confidential Podcast, the podcast for cover band musicians and band leaders to learn how to rock more and suck less. Here in Atlanta, Georgia, I am Adam Johnson. Here in Greensboro, North Carolina, thou art listening to Dan Ray. How's it going, Dan? Not bad. Not bad. It's, it's been Not a hot bad. minute. It has. It has. We had a fun time without you last week. Um, but oh, I know. I heard. Good to have you back. I sat in my uh, car listening to it on the way to work, seething with, <laughs> well, with jealousy. Well, it was fun. It was a good time. Mike's a good, hey man, good dude. Big ups to Mike Schulte from the uh, the Pork Torneezies for, uh, for filling my mediocre shoes. Quite yep. handily, I would say. Yeah, well, and he's uh, he's game for it at other yeah. times. So, I I, I uh, messaged him privately and said that he may be the Neil Patrick Harris to our Regis and Kelly. Exactly. He might just be our our you know de facto co-host when you know one of us is shooting a movie or whatever. Yeah. Yep. yep. He's a good. He's good at it. He's a good. So I mean, he's like a like I. I think he might. He may quit playing drums and just be a professional podcast guest. He is. He is a, a drop in fella on a lot of things. He uh, posted about that a few days ago. That's a. That's. I mean, it's nice work if you can get it. It doesn't pay. Uh, that's true. Most of the time, it doesn't. Yeah. He's not. You know, waiting in the uh, in the sweet sweet podcast money like we are. True, and um, surely that real estate gig is. Uh, a better financial use of his time than podcasting, but yeah, I mean, the things that we do, though, in mm. in the in the name of you know whatever pursuit we're under, so whatever floats your boat. I mean, this is this has definitely not been a lucrative uh, operation, but it is a fulfilling one. So exactly, exactly, it doesn't pay dividends financially, just you know spiritually. I'll say this: this, this happened to me literally this afternoon. Um, we were uh, going to our four-year-old's Christmas concert. During my lunch hour, and a um, there was a long-haired gentleman in a hoodie, and I was like one of us, um, <laughs> and we we made brief eye contact, and then we we saw the concert. And as I was walking out, he came out to me and shook my hand, and he goes, "Hey, um, do you did you used to shop at this music store that uh, is no longer open?" I said, "Yeah, yeah." He's like, "Oh, I used to work there." Da da da. We kind of caught up for a second, and um, he asked me, I asked him what he did, and he works for Gibson, huh. which is a nice thing to know. Yeah. Um, and then I said, oh, well, I, uh, I've i got a couple of things. I got a couple of bands, and then I run this podcast, Cover Band Confidential. He's like, are you serious? That's you? I go, yeah. He goes, oh, I follow you guys. So, Very cool. This is It was the first time I've ever been, you know, recognized IRL. Yeah, it's badass. Yeah, so that was kind of cool. Yeah. But yeah, um, otherwise... You uh, know, I got recognized on Reddit. Somebody posted something on... Oh, yeah? Our musicians or something, and um, about how to start up a band. And I was like, well, I have emitted a whole lot of content about that in the last year or year plus. And so I gave him a link to the, 
podcast, and the guy replied like, "Oh my god, amazing! Run into you in the wild, like, uh, yeah, it happens. People out there know this. It's surreal. It is, and it's only getting bigger. Yep, that's what I keep telling myself. At it's least. no, it's true. Week after week, the download numbers keep growing. So, well, I mean, I feel like, and this is you know, this is me getting into my manifesto to a little to a certain degree, like. We as a like as a population should be making more calls in the music business industry, at least on like the hardware side and stuff. Like mm. we are the majority. There are more of guys like us than there are, you know, Steve Vai's and you know Absolutely Tosinabasis. Absolutely. So they should be making guitars that we like and that kind of thing. So Yeah. I feel like we have we have leverage and I feel like all we need to do is weaponize it. <laughs> So, Mr. Gibson, when you listen to this episode. Yeah, I mean. No more $4,000 Les Pauls. Come on. No, 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 no. I mean, I think there's a place for that, but there's also, there's some really nice looking Epiphones that I'm asking him about. Yeah. 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 I have no problem with a cheap guitar. I like kicking cheap guitars. The Acoustasonic is by far the most expensive guitar I've ever taken out of the house. Oh, yeah. Big time. Yeah. So, I've got a couple of um, catch-ups, and then we can kind of talk about you know, the meat of it a little bit. So. I've got, yeah, I have one catch up that has a lesson embedded in it. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. So I, so I'll jump right into that. Um, Cold on Ray last uh, night, last night on Wednesday, the eighth, uh, played our second gig at Odin Brewing. And okay. I happen to know that a peer of mine in the market here locally, who has been playing solo for a really long time and bands and whatnot played with his acoustic duo with a chick singer, thing uh in the intervening week between my two dates there and got pretty good feedback and um you know i heard i heard that the manager enjoyed it and whatnot um as we were setting up i said to the manager you know we have um another date on january 8th but we talked about going every other week you, you know you're ready to just go ahead with that and he was a little coy with me he was a little like mm. well i'm gonna have to look at my cabin talking to other you know a lot of those people you referred me to and Okay. All right. So, you know, I didn't really know what that was about, but so we played our good show and, and, and the other person who was there was the, the dad of the family that runs the place, the actual big owner of the place. And it was his birthday and we played him happy birthday and whatnot. And got to the end of the night and the manager who is his son-in-law, what's it called when you're not yet married to the daughter of the man? You're his fiance-in-law, something. Sure. Um, uh, but they're engaged, so soon, soon to be son-in-law. Right. And uh, he said, yeah, sorry about how I had to be there. You know, when um, he didn't, he wasn't here the first time you played. And he was here for those other guys a week ago. And they came out of the gate so loud, they like drove out half of the room. And he was suddenly really unsure about having music at all. Mm. Said, but he loved you guys, loved everything you did, totally appreciated you playing Happy Birthday. The volume was right for the space. People could still, you know have conversations and you could be background when you were background and reach out and grab the attention when you did and all really, really good. So let's put you down for the next six every other weeks. Nice. Which we did. Um, so, you know, the, I think the lesson there is to, um, you know, <laughs> we, we say it, we, we say it that, you know, your, your, the quality of your performance impacts your opportunities. Um, it's a thing that we say and we all sort of hold to be true, but, um, I've never seen, it quite that vividly, you know, in one night <laughs> expressed that way. And yeah. um, I don't know what the other side of it is going to be like when, um, when my peer in town here goes to rebook um, how that's going to get communicated to him. But um, 
the feedback I hope got to him that he was just too loud for the space. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty big space. And if you're going to cover it, you're going to kill the front half of it. You're just going to crush them. So I don't even try. I make it so that the people near us are engaging with us and the people away from us can hear it. And, but you know, it's not in their face. Um, I am leaning toward less volume and he clearly leaned toward more. And, um, was it had an impact? Yeah. I mean, I was, I would, I was going to counter your, uh, your, claim by saying it's not your performance as much as it's your presentation. Yeah. Or your professionalism that, you know, the choices you're making about, um, whether you are what everyone's there for or not. And I think when you're an acoustic show, you just have to deal with, you're not correct. Um, Unless people are there for you, in which case they're going to sit close and listen up and you should, you know, tune your approach to the room accordingly. Yeah. You have to kind of be prepared to be either or. Even though I hate being musical wallpaper. I know. I know. I know. I, I kind of don't mind it. I'm coming to where I don't mind it. And then I'll, I'll build a show that is um, okay being musical wallpaper with a couple of things that, like reach out and grab you by the throat. Sure. Because um, I think that's a lot of fun. Well, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, you kind of nailed it right on the head with, you know, you came in. It, you it's. I've always thought, you know, in, in all of those circumstances, it's better to be asked to turn up than to turn down. Sure. And I will always err on the ask me to turn up because that's an easy thing to do. And it shows, I feel like it shows a level of respect to the people that are there Yep. and the management and the people who asked you to come, um, that I'm here, but I'm not here to, you know, be trouble. Exactly. Also because I've had, I, I, I did do a show where, um, I was asked to turn up and then I did turn up and the cops showed up and they shut the whole thing down. <laughs> I mean, I was literally like 17 minutes into my set oh. and they were like, nope, we're done. And it wasn't like, it wasn't my fault. Apparently there was just some busybody neighbor who called the cops anytime they heard anybody having fun at this place. Oh, so that was that. That was that. Anywho. Um, and, and actually I guess what you were referring, what you were talking about kind of dovetails into what, um, what I, uh, what I was going to, to talk about. So first thing was, um, last week I did a pickup date with, um, my friends, the riot. Um, for those of you who remember Jeff, who is a friend of the pod, uh, we did an interview with him way back when I think episode nine, Wow, like way, way back. Um, he had a date that needed to be filled. And so we put a group together and just, you know, got the song list figured out and went and did our thing. Um, I provided the PA on that one and um, it was just a trio gig, no tracks. It was very kind of light. And it was, it was a weird situation on a number of fronts. Uh, First thing was um, this was in a very small room. Um, This place was a, it's a distillery with an event space, Uh. but then there, we were in a different space. So when we rolled up, we rolled up to a big production with a band already loading in, and we were very confused. So I got on the horn with the guy who booked me, and he said, I don't know, call this guy, because I he booked y'all through this. And so I called him, and he didn't know. Um, so, you know, off to a great start, per usual. Um, yep. But we got, it, we got it sorted out, and we were in a very, very small room. We were in a concrete room um, with that wasn't more than 50 feet. 50 foot square wow. in any direction. Wow. Um, 
So we were we were playing as a trio. I had uh, my two K12s and a KW181, and um, we played. We had our drummer play an octopad, and everybody was going direct. So we were making literally no mo- noise other than um, slapping and um, singing. It's good. Um, and that was exactly what that gig had to be, because of the size of the crowd and the size of the room. Uh, we were ba- we were like our house music was probably a little bit louder than we were, mm. um, and it was just it was a weird situation on a number of fronts, and it was one of one of those things where we just kind of realized our role in the night pretty early on, um, because it was a distillery and it was a small group of people, um, I'd say around fifty or less, um, but every fifteen minutes they did a distillery tour, so every fifteen minutes or so they were there were people leaving. So we were we were perpetually playing to a half empty room. Wait, so you were playing to the waiting room of the tour? More or less. I mean, huh. we were in the main event space. It's where all the food and the drinks were. But in the process of doing so, every fifteen minutes, somebody would come in and say, "Here's a tour starting," and then huh. you know, huh. more people would leave. Um, so we were playing to kind of a half a half full room most of the time, and um, from a prep standpoint, I think it's been very well established how much of a stickler I am for song structure and preparation and all of that stuff. Um, and so I came into that gig very, very as prepared as I could be. Um, I woke up the day of the show, uh, kind of anxious, uh, around 5 AM. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. So I got up and I went down into the basement. And I played through both sets, uh, before anybody even got up that, that morning. So I was like, I was very much in the zone ready to do what I was there to do. Um, the other guys weren't really worried about that. And, um, you know, I would say if it were my project, I, I would not have been pleased with the level of prep, Mm. but at the end of the night, like the client didn't care. Yeah. They were perfectly happy. They were thrilled even. And it was just this weird sensation of, I, I work, I feel very pretty hard to perform at a particular level. Um, and in the grand scheme of things, it, it, it didn't really matter. <laughs> right. Right. I don't think that's necessarily going to prevent me from working hard, though. I think it was just kind of like a, a reminder. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it is always that thing about, I feel like no matter how the night goes, somebody's going to walk up at the end of it and say, oh, you guys were awesome. And um, even when for me, it's a way off night. We get feedback like that sure. all the time. And, and so <clears throat> it makes me wonder... You know, those nights when I feel like we really did nail it and they come up and say that, I'm like, yeah, but <laughs> maybe I'm, maybe I'm kidding myself. Maybe the difference isn't that big. Um, maybe I am, this is a shocking thought, but it's possible I am my own worst critic. Sure. Just a radical notion there. Um, but also, you know, just the fact of a band, um, I, I think, I think it takes a lot. I think it takes a lot of bad to read bad for a civilian audience. Sure. I think I'm sure it can be done. I I know it can be done. I've seen it, but, um, it's, um, I think that that floor is way below what you and I would consider like even entry to acceptable. Yeah. Um, so, and, and I feel like the concept itself is so foreign to me because I don't know, and we as musicians, I don't think we know how to listen to music the way an audience does. Right. We don't. We I don't. think we're so wrapped up in it. Yep. 
and that even if we're trying to be a quote unquote good audience member, we're still, you know, it, it doesn't, that part of us doesn't necessarily turn off, even if we're enjoying it, you know, even the good stuff. But, um, no, we, it was we, just, hear, we hear clams, nobody else hears. That's the yeah. bottom line. And I feel like we're almost like looking for them, like we're waiting for them to happen. Yeah. Just, just for whatever reason. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, in the grand scheme of things, and, and for those of you who aren't following us on um, social media, uh, I did, I've posted some, uh, some YouTube content, uh, this week and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be doing that a bit more. Um, Gary Vaynerchuk has just been, uh, kicking my butt about creating content. So I'm, I'm trying to, to do that. So typically on my drive to work, I, uh, I rant into my phone during my drive and then I edit it down and I post it on YouTube. So I did one about how, um, I made a thousand dollars this week playing music and, um, I made one this morning about how to get more gigs. Uh, and then after posting that, somebody was like, well, what about how do I get sub gigs? So I started that one and I don't know if I got like a full cohesive thought together. So I may re-record it on my drive in tomorrow. <laughs> cool. But on the other side of that is uh, tomorrow night, High Class Party Band is playing their official first public show. Come so, on. um, yeah, so that that means that this year I've I have all three of my main projects have played a public show. And and for anyone who's coming late, this is strictly a branding move, right? It's all the same personnel. Absolutely. And what what does High Class Party Band cover? High Class Party Band covers everything. So if if members only is your 80s product and can't hardly wait is your 90s product, um High Class Party Band is your whatever you want us to play product. So we're playing country music, we're playing 80s 70 stuff and 60 stuff and 90 stuff and top 40 stuff cool uh, all over the place yep just fun things to drink beer and dance to and that's it's our it's our first night out uh in this configuration uh we're playing as a three-piece which i've never done before uh but it's it was just a situation that kind of fell in my lap and i had the personnel and i had already gotten the pa in my <laughs> in my uh, car so i was like all right Let's just let's go ahead and book this thing and 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 get it done. So, um, from a standpoint, that's huge. I don't know, you know, I'm, time will tell of you know what tomorrow night means. It, it it it's for me, it's a symbolic victory, um, but we shall see if it's a literal victory. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. So I'm feeling very good about that. Um, and, you know, boned up on a couple of Christmas tunes. Um, I will say this. We played some Christmas tunes at the last holiday party. Not really landing. People really? really <clears throat> no, they just don't. I think I think we're trying to do Christmas tunes like two weeks before Christmas. I think you've just hit mac- maximum saturation. It's not. I'll tell you, we did them last night and uh, people enjoyed them. Although we went a little deep. We did um, Blue Christmas. We did uh, Hele Kalikimaka. It's a good one. It's a good one. Um, I, we did Mr. Grinch. Okay. So we did some fun, some fun stuff. And, and there was a pretty good uptake to it. Yeah. Tomorrow we're going to do uh, What Christmas Means to Me, uh, Stevie Wonder, and Run, Run, Rudolph, and that's it. That's good. That's good. Um, on Saturday night, Amber is uh, playing a show with a completely different band in Athens, Georgia. Oh, that's happening. Good. Yep. So um, we're going to go drive to Athens, which is about an hour from here. Um, we got a hotel room. Uh, the venue actually is connected to a boutique hotel. So, um, that is cool. And I'm looking forward to that. Um, the guys that she's playing with are guys I went to high school with. So it's kind of a, it'll be a fun night. It's awesome. Um, and then in doing some of the booking stuff that I've been doing, uh, I I've started, 
uh, representing a, a Weezer tribute. Um, and their, uh, their lead singer guy actually reached out to me uh, because he heard about the podcast and now I'm booking for them and I actually got them a date at that same venue in Very March. Nice. Very nice. So it's all, everything's coming up roses, man. It's coming up. Everything's coming up at them. Yep. Hey, um, before we move on to the next thing though, um, I do want to follow back up on something that happened on the Facebook page. Doug McPherson, our guy, Doug McPherson. Big Doug. Big Doug. He posted a link to a multi-drop power cable. So this is a, um, you can find this on the Cover Band Confidential Facebook page, the, um, or the, the group rather. Um, it's a 32 foot long extension cord that has an outlet every five feet. And Genius. I bought two of them and I used one last night and it was a game changer. It nice. was a game changer because it was, um, my, <laughs> I could have fixed this at any time, but my acoustic rig, uh, included a power strip that had a, like a three foot cable. Yeah. And that was really all the power cabling I was bringing on acoustic gigs, which was rarely enough. And, um, so that was on me. I could have resolved that at any time, but resolving it with this thing that is so flexible and can just put power anywhere you want it. And all along the way there, boy, I'm really, really happy with it. I bought two of them and I might get more. I'm thinking about gaffing one down to the floor of the, the practice space. Oh yeah. And that, just having that seems like a no brainer, like permanent power installation across the room. Cause there's one outlet right by the, the light switch. Um, and so we yeah. have to run power special when we want to do anything in there. So, um, yes, good find Doug McPherson. Well done. Thank you for that. If you are interested in that, go find it on the Facebook group. Well, you know what, after we, um, after we post this episode, I'll, um, I'll post a link officially. Okay. Yeah, good. So it'll be easier, easier to find. Perfect. And I'll probably get at least two or three. Cause we, yeah, we could use one down in the rehearsal spot for sure. And then just having one, um, are you, did you use it front line or back line? I used it up the middle. Okay. And, and actually not even that, you know, so it was acoustic. So I had two. Um, uh, Taylor doesn't need any power in the front of the room. I do for the, I'm using the, the TC Helicon. So I have power and, and to charge the iPad. So I've got some power sure. needs at the front of the room for that, but I snaked it out of the power across the back of the room to hit the mixer and across to the corner where we put the, um, the speaker, the TS, um, the IP 300 and then yep. snaked it back up to the front to catch my power. And That's it was like, pff, it was perfect. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah. And I had pl plenty of room to live with. I had extra coiled up. You know, each of the power taps has an LED light in it, so you can look down and see it, and a cap to make it weatherproof, and it's just a very impressive piece of gear. Fantastic. Yeah. It's it's really interesting, um, you know, just thinking about the things that we end up really, really falling in love with oh, as far as, like, hardware goes. And it's it's some, some, of, the, some of the most mundane stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like, my, my favorite thing is I've got, a, I've got like, a, a real extension cord that like you know you can read like oh yeah with like a like a reel on it yes with a four with a four spot surge protector in the middle yeah genius take it everywhere genius. it's my favorite yeah i love it yep i have a um cable file bag that's like a duffel bag with slots in it for cables yep phenomenal this is the stuff this is the, the oh which reminds me one other cool thing that happened this week that i should share about um at the karaoke last week i'm playing along it's getting a little late in the night a lot of good people are singing. A lot of people who are enjoying themselves as well are singing. Um, and a group of people walk in, kind of youngish people, mid, mid early mid-20s, and they're clearly carrying what are instrument cases. Okay. And I'm like, hmm. And they go and sit down. And one of my regulars and a friend of mine, Diane, um, who never met a stranger, she's you know 
extrovert extraordinaire. Um, she, she signs up to sing a song and she brings up one of these guys who has a violin in his hands. And what we did was Scarlet Begonias and he played along and then we let him take a couple of times around it as a solo. And he was unbelievable, unbelievable fiddling along with Scarlet Begonias. And, um, and then a couple of them came up and did, um, I want it that way. Yeah. Uh, karaoke. And, um, at the end of the night, I went and chatted with them. It turned out they're all players for the Greensboro symphony. Ah, right. So they're like, they're, they're the real pros, you know, like <laughs> they play for the symphony. They teach like it's, they, they, they are professional musicians and, um, and they dropped in on, uh, on my show and had a good time. And, um, uh, I would have any of them karaokeing on their instrument at any moment to be phen- phenomenal. Very but cool. It was, it was very cool. It really was great. Those, those are just the magical moments you can't account for. Totally. Totally. Very cool. Yeah. Well. Listen, before whatever, before whatever happens after well, let's talk, uh, just take a moment to uh, have this comment you've never heard before about some shiny friends of ours. It takes a lot of work to get people to a gig. When they do show up, make sure they can see you. Put your band in the spotlight with Chauvet DJ. Entertainment lighting that is affordable, reliable, easy to use, and set up and tear down. But most of all, Chauvet DJ is the brand of entertainment lighting that creates better audience experiences at your gigs by adding dynamic visual looks and moods to perfectly suit the music you're playing. Imagine dramatic color changes, dynamic strobes and chases, and even blackouts at the end of songs. All possible with just a step on a foot pedal or the touch of a button on a mobile device and Chauvet DJ's Bluetooth or DMX technology. Being in a cover band is a performing art that uses audio and visual production. So don't rock in the dark. Set your band apart from the competition with professional lighting you can load right into your car along with all your other gear. Small effort, big results. Don't just rock. Rock in the spotlight with Chauvet DJ. Learn more at ChauvetDJ.com. All right, we're back. And we're back. I hope you enjoyed that. I sure did. So let's talk about the co- a couple of things that um, I, I've brought up on the, in the videos that I've been posting. Um, first one was talking about money, and uh, the other one was talking about lending more gigs, i.e. making more money. So um, the first thing I, the first video that I, or the first conversation I had was around how I made $1,000 in a week. Um, and in short, the, the, my total take for this week was um, that trio gig that I did last weekend, I provided the PA um, and I got paid 500 bucks to provide the PA and do my part of that performance. Um, this coming uh, show that we've got on Friday was a, um, another, kind of a, like a, a cheaper gig. It was, it was, we were, there's three of us and we're getting paid $700 total. Um, but I'm bringing the PA again. So I'm, I'm making 300 of the 700. Okay. Um, and then I had played a church gig and that church gig pays 200 bucks. So that puts my grand total to $1,000 in one week. Yeah. Um, and that's the, the main thing about those, those gigs is that first of all, they were, it was three gigs with three different groups playing three different kinds of music. Um, I think the, the, the first thing that really stands out is that you, you do have to be, um, you have to be able to onboard and, um, perform a, a variety of music, um, for your band to play three gigs in one week and make that kind of money would be very challenging. 
um, because there's only so much business that one particular brand of music can do in a market. So being able to wear different hats over the course of your week and do different things, you know, allows you to do more. Sure. Now, um, now I will say an event band doing privates and, you know, parties and things could do that and more, right? Sure. Somebody who was strictly doing that and really had a hot booking going on about that, you could easily do more than that. But public events, ticketed events, yeah, it's hard to picture. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like most of us, even those of us who are in the quote unquote private event market are still, you know, it's very rare for, for any of my groups to play more than twice a week. Sure. And it's typically around weekends and stuff. So um, the other thing that upped my ability to make um, a bit more money is the fact that I own APA. And we've talked about this before. I've written an article about it. But if you are a musician and you want to have leverage, I mean, I think the main focus of all of this is that it adds value. And ergo, if you own that equipment, you add value to whatever it is you're doing. Yep. So in my case, I was hired for that that trio gig that made me 500 bucks because I can play a guitar, I can sing well, and I own a PA. So all three of those things had to be in line in order for me to make $500 for that show. Right. So um, if you are... If you are a band and you don't have a PA, there's, a, I mean, there's a couple, there, there's, di- there's different schools of thought around it. Um, you know, you could make the PA like your fifth band member and pay into it every gig in order in, until you have enough money to, to buy something. Um, in my case, the, um, the Sweetwater four year, no interest deal was just too good to pass up. Yep. And so we just, said screw it and you know threw down about eleven thousand dollars um and paid it off around 300 bucks a month which we were easily it was it was one of those things where the second we bought the pa our ability to play shows went up so much that it like it paid for it like i never i never paid out of pocket for that payment right and i paid it off early because we had we had the margin to do so right and it's gotten to the point now that I may end up buying another PA so that, you know, when that PA is out, I can have a backup PA yeah. or like a smaller PA or something. Mm-hmm. Um, the show that we did this past Saturday, I used the XR18 wired in-ear rig that I built mm-hmm. uh, a few months back. Yeah. Worked like a charm. Awesome. Easy peasy. So, and it will be, it will be, um, it will be running this show that we're doing um, tomorrow night as well. I may have Benji Benjamin come out and um, kind of tweak it, kind of set it, and then leave. Um, but otherwise, you know, it's it's all self-contained, and we can kind of handle it from the stage. Now, were you running sound yourself for the show that yep. you got five hundred bucks on? All right, so yes, yeah. So that's the other part of the service you were providing. It wasn't just having the PA; it was sure. You know, op- I, yeah, I set it up and I, I ran it. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, again, as a with a trio where everything's direct, it was four four faders. It was it was right. very manageable. Right. Right. This one will be a little bit more involved, slightly. But yeah, I mean, the 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 fact that I had this stuff was the reason why I was able to do what I what I was able to do. Right. And if you are debating it, I can say pretty succinctly that having a PA will will be beneficial if your desire 
is to play out more. Because for almost every gig that we do, um, it requires your own sound. Right. So acoustic stuff requires your own sound uh, most places. And um, if you want to play private events, having your own PA is kind of necessary. Frankly, uh, almost none of the places that we play would be workable by a band that didn't have their own system. And to be a complete snob, like I don't even like playing on house systems. I right. like my I like my rig. Yeah. It's real good. Yeah. So, you know, that that's the other side of it. Um and then the the other thing that I w- that I did uh today was um a, a video about how to make how to lay more gigs. And it was like easily the highest watched video I've done so far. <laughs> well that is the clickbaitiest title you've ever written. Oh yeah, so I, I have definitely um, learned the the ways of uh, of thumbnail clickbait. So for those of you who who haven't seen it, this this one trick will get you more gigs. Nice, um, which is very clickbaity. But if you watch it, I I do actually tell you one thing that everybody should be doing. Um, are you going to the- spill that for us here? Well, I will, but I I'm going to go ahead and kind of start with my my point to get to that. Ah, point. okay. So the the thing that I was really kind of talking about was being versatile and being um, adaptable. So in my case, that meant um, being a uh, being able to play guitar and being able to play bass. Um, playing multiple instruments and being competent on multiple instruments means that you can play more gigs. Uh, because in my particular case, I uh, I didn't start playing bass until I moved to Nashville, but when I moved to Nashville, I found out that every single person and their mother was a guitar player right. and there weren't enough bass players. So I was approached by a band that said, Hey, um, would you play bass? And I was like, well, I mean, I guess so. So I went and bought like a, like a $200 Dean bass and learned. And, um, over the course of those four years, like I was, I was a working bass player in Nashville. Um, it, it it was something that I just picked up and I still do bass gigs from time to time. Um, for those of you who have been keeping score, I ended up having to do that at one of, uh, one of members only gigs, not more than a couple months ago. Right. Our bass player, uh, wasn't able to make it. And I had hired a sub and that sub got very, very sick. So I was like, all right, I could either hire somebody who would be very talented, but not know the material, or I know the material inside and out and, um, I'll just do it. And that's what I did. So, um, that was, that was kind of the main point. And then I, I referenced uh, a guy who we will be talking to hopefully very soon, um, who works in Nashville and he is playing five to six nights a week on Broadway, downtown Nashville, playing bass, keys, and drums, like three non-congruous yeah. instruments, Yeah, but is a, he's a complete monster on all of them. Um, very cool. But that's how he stays busy because some nights he they need a keyboard player and other nights they need a bass player. Sure. Nights, so, um, but the main, honestly, the main thing that I I said made it easier for me to get work was that I sing. And I know a lot of instrumentalists who uh, who don't. Yeah. And it makes, in in my opinion, it, it makes absolutely zero sense to not be a singer and play an instrument because you automatically are doing twice the work. Sure. Ergo, you add more value. Absolutely. So um, you can be a a good guitar player, and that's great. But being a good guitar player who can also sing well is, you know, exponentially more valuable. That's right. So, um, you know, in my case, the I, I, I've 
I, I consider myself a singer who plays and not a player who sings. And I don't think there's anything wrong with approaching it from one side or the other. But I know that um, anytime I've, I've joined a project or been a sub, the fact that I could... It, the when I filled in for Saved by the Band, uh, they had a situation where um, their drummer dropped like last minute, and um, our drummer Nathan um, stepped up to fill in that spot. <laughs> but in all the rehearsals, the drummer for the band did all the backing vocals, and all of a sudden that person wasn't there. Hmm. So the day of the show, you know, their singer Chris comes up to me and goes, "Hey." Can you you if if you can handle any of these background vocals, you can just hop in wherever you feel. And I was like, dude, I know all of these songs. I know them inside and out. And so I was able to again add value in a way that they weren't even anticipating. But the fact that I was prepared and had the skill made it made me more valuable. And it you know they called me less than two or three weeks later to do another show with them because. I had done such a good job the first time. So it's awesome. Now, mind you, I don't know if you remember that episode where I showed up to rehearsal like three weeks before the gig and like had not prepared. Right. And really ate crap and felt really, really, really bad. So, you know, there's still, it's this, this isn't like me just like walking around, you know, high on my own supply. Like <laughs> I, I am well aware of um, the amount of work it takes in order to, uh, to do the job well. So, it, 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 this isn't just me, you know, being full of myself, um, because I, I've worked hard to, to garner those, those skills. Right. And, um, it still takes work, but it takes a lot less work than it would have if I hadn't done the work beforehand. Totally. Totally. So, and you know, you're, you're a guitar player who sings like, how does, yeah, how, how I, do you feel about it? I don't know whether I'm more one or the other. I think of myself as delivering an experience that is both guitar and vocal. Okay. You know, I have picked up, I've picked up gigs as a bassist too. And I, you know, I wouldn't say I'm, I ain't no Nashville bassist. <laughs> That's for sure. I'm one of those guitarists who slums it, um, which is a whole different thing from a real bassist. Sure. Uh, However, but you can, you can get through the show and you know how many clients have been delighted? Yeah, like exactly. All of them. And, um, you know, I do think that versatility is really important. I think that, uh, being able to find yourself in a lot of different, situations just um based on the preparation called i've been a musician all my life um, right is a is a huge thing it's there's you know the, the I don't, i'm not sure whether that's what my mom had in mind when she made me take piano at five but uh it is a happy side effect of that that um you know and i can get in a room with other musicians and talk in musical language which is a very efficient way of communicating things i have some uh i have played with some band people who were more um uh self-taught who kind of conveyed musical ideas by going da 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 no 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 it's the da 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 no no da 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 like they you know they can't communicate it in a way that is precise they're approximating it with their voices um being on the team that can you know describe a chord pattern by its name uh it's a good thing um like harvey like harvey? is that the chord progression's name oh harvey oh we're gonna play harvey now we're gonna play um Eunice. well i like that i could say to a band we're gonna do a shave and a haircut ending and they know what i'm talking about well sure um 
Speaking of which, we did get one cha-cha-cha ending in. Oh, did you? We did. It's a fun one. It's a good one, yeah. Um, but, you know, that comes with that comes with chops, that comes with, you know, the book learning side of being a musician, which not everybody has, and, and, it, and it's, um, it's worth investing in if you don't. Uh, all those things just make you more efficient, more employable, more, um, um, I don't know, easier to work with. I'd say, I would say marketable. Yeah. You know, you know, getting these kinds of gigs is all around reputation and you have to build a reputation in order to have one, um, which sounds counterintuitive, but a lot of people go, all right, well, I'm good. So when, when do I start working? That's right. Where are my gigs? Right. So what, what people fail to realize is that if you want to, um, if you want to establish yourself in a, um, in a, in a scene, uh, you have to be in it. You have to go and meet people. You have to go to shows. You don't, it's not just a matter of playing shows. You know, I mean, in my case, the, the, the conversation I was having around how do I get, how to get sub gigs. Part of the reason why I'm able to get sub gigs is because I give sub gigs to other people. Totally. And, and so it's kind of like a, all right, well, I'm offering money for this particular service and then I meet this person and they're cool and maybe we kind of vibe musically and they're a part of another project and then when they're in a spot, he goes, oh, well then there was this guy and he can do this and you know he's fun, so I'll give him a ring. I mean, I got the, the Save by the Band gig uh, because I played in, uh, in a band with their guitar player since right. high school. Right. And he was just like, He's competent. He'll do the work. He'll do a good job. And that was, that's basically it. I'm not a flashy guitar player. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a shredder, but, uh, I will show up and I will do a good job. And maybe I'll look cool. Maybe I won't. It really depends. <laughs> depends. On, yeah. On, on a number of factors. Yeah. 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 I, you know, I've, I have been the guy connecting people with gigs. Yes. For in my, in my market for a while now. And, um, and that is starting to, ripple back to me. I mean, it's starting to have mm-hmm. people reach out to replace them or I heard about a new venue, something, and I'm on the list of people that they, you know, reach out to about it. Um, so there really is something about being a good connector of people. I think I've said it here before, you know, how networking is meant to work is that you look at your network and you see where you could put people together to provide value to those people. It's not about what can I get? It's about what can I what, how can I leverage my connections to support what other people are up to? And then, yep. you know, you become known as that guy or girl. And, uh, before long, uh, that value starts coming back to you too. And it's just, you know, that it's the same kind of thing with how you get gigs, how you get gigs out of the community is you be a contributor to the community. Yeah. The, um, Amber always has said that I'm like the Kevin Bacon of this, this little this little circle. Six degrees of Adam Johnson. Well, I mean, it, I've just if you've been around anybody long enough, you just you you know, you run into people. Most yep. people know other people, and it's just True. it is kind of it is what it is. Totally. But every, you kept saying value, and I just kept thinking about hot like wasabi when I bust rhymes, big like lamb rhymes, because I'm all about value. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Cool, bare naked ladies for you. It is. It's it's a very little bare naked ladies. Just the littlest it yeah. could be. Yeah. The other thing that I thought was kind of interesting about the conversation about this is that I posted the how to get more gigs in the um in the other cover band group, and was met with, I would say, an almost equal amount of this is a good idea and like mm, I don't think so. 
this is this isn't uh, what do you say unrealistic it's unrealistic to learn a new instrument and um huh. i i found that really interesting i mean with that attitude it is well and and i think that's the other thing it's it's it, it is a mindset and it it's it's endemic of uh, a certain group of people who it's 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 kind of it's just a, a a cyclical thing. The people who think that kind of that way will perpetuate the things that they think. So if they think it's it's not practical, then they'll never start. And because they never start, they'll never get where they want to go. And because they don't do that, they'll ju- they're just going to perpetuate the same issue over and over again. Yeah, I mean, I think <clears throat> the advice you're giving is for people who are unsatisfied and hungry and pushing. Yeah, and um, if you're satisfied and not hungry, then it's probably not good advice for you. See, I, I ain't going to stop until I'm satisfied. That's what Richard Marx t- taught me. <sighs> you are full of quotes. I'm less so. I don't know what's happening with me tonight. Well, it's the, the that's a kind of been, I mean, I feel like this year has been just that that positive mindset. Totally. Um, PMA has kind of been the the thing that's really been helpful to me this year. Uh, thinking about things in abundance and, and, you know, turning things around. Uh, it's just, it's so much more beneficial. And even if something is hard, everything I've done this year is hard. Right. I've not had an easy, I've not had an easy go this year. Yeah. Nothing has really changed in my situation other than my ability to process it in a more productive way. Yep. So yep. instead of having a panic attack and rolling around on the floor when our bass player, sh- you know, called out with, four hours to go i just said screw it let's do this right and i you know i made the donuts as they say because it was time it was time and and everybody knew it everybody knew it so i would just say you know if you if if you didn't play as much as you wanted to in 2019 try something different do just make it make an effort start something if you're a guitar player buy a bass if you're a bass player, buy a guitar or buy a set of drums. If you're a keyboard player, buy a tuba. Yes. Actually, that makes no sense because you can just download like a tuba patch. No. And, and so much cooler to show up on stage with a tuba. I told you right, I had a friend of mine who play- plays tuba sit in with us. I, he played uh, Seven Nation Army with us and it was killer. I mean, I'm sure it is. But like with a keyboard, you could play that tuba part and then play like a like a piano part on top of it because you got two hands. Yeah. but Because you play- you're not using the other hand to hold up the dang tuba. Yeah. But are you playing a tuba? Well, I mean, and this one, I'm, I'm going to listen. Is anybody I truly mean, playing a tuba? Yes, yes. Anyone who's playing a tuba is truly playing a tuba. But I mean, are they though? Yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. I I'm not a purist right. about it. You know, listen. I don't need amps on stage. I work with an iPad. When it comes to a tuba, I'm a purist. I get, I get it. Yeah. I get. I I understand your mindset. Yeah. But yeah, dudes and and lady dudes. Um. Honestly, I love playing bass. I think playing bass is, in many instances, way more fun than playing guitar. Um, if you know, if you know just basic theory and how to work around, like playing bass is kind of like playing a guitar solo, like the entire show. Like all that long, yeah. It's yeah. I mean, because you are a, you're a melodic instrument strictly, and you get to do cool things. My favorite thing to do is just big slides. Yeah like that's the best part that's the best part about being a bass player also not having to worry about all the other what all the other fingers are doing because you're really only using one at a time that's right 
It's pretty cool. So yeah, if you're a guitar player, buy a bass. And if you play both of those things, start singing. If you don't start singing, start. Start easy. Like figure out how to do the harmonies of the songs that you guys already play. Uh, if you're already doing that, try and learn how to play the songs and sing them at the same time like the lead singer isn't there. And if you can't sing at all, find somebody who can and ask them, how do you do it? Go get lessons. Or tuba. Sure. Or tuba. I th- in in conclusion, <laughs> buy a tuba. Buy a tuba. Buy a tuba is the official title of this episode. I think it must be. I think so. Buy a tuba. Buy a tuba and other good advice. Yeah. Well, that was lovely. Good to have you back, my friend. It, you know, there there's a there's a little there's a special something between these wires, I guess. It's true. And it's good stuff. Yep. And uh Mike is always in our hearts. But um you know, you can't beat this. This is this is like, you know, this is peanut butter this, and jelly. This is like this is like uh Analogy. I really like. I'm having a an off analogy and reference night. I can't. I don't know what's going on. Are you noggin right now? I'm not. I'm not even noggin. I, I think that's the problem. Oh. See, I, I was I was two margaritas in in before we even started. So that's my problem right there. Probably so. Insufficient. I've been fun. drinking water this entire episode, but that's smart. But uh, I yeah, I I uh, I'll be sharper next time. I promise. No worries. As soon as I sign up here, I'm going to be shedding for tomorrow night so good have fun iron sharpens iron guys thank you so much for your continued support you can find us on instagram at cover band confidential you can find us on facebook in the cover band confidential group Uh, we are always in there Um, if you have any questions or things you want to share with us email us at coverbandconfidential at gmail.com or hit us up at the all-new coverbandconfidential.com from atlanta georgia i'm adam johnson from greensboro north carolina dan ray you have been listening to the Cover Band Confidential Podcast, episode 81. Boom. Have a great week.